40% of the calls to our hotline are men. Men are natural providers and protectors. They want to help that woman. It could be the father of the baby. It could be the boyfriend. could be the husband. We work with over 3,000 agencies across the United States and Canada and as far away as Puerto Rico. We get calls and we can send them to a local agency that will offer pro-life, pro-family help, not anything that includes contraception or abortion. When you have a large family, some people find that offensive. They might even ask you, what are you doing to the environment? How dare you? Well, it's interesting because how do you answer that question? I've got a fairly large family. We had eight children. My wife calls herself just eight on her email. But so this is where we're at. And how do we answer those questions? What about contraception and having a large family? Is that a crazy thing to do? Well, we've got someone with us who's actually proven that you can have many children and survive. Often, that's a question. Yeah, you talk, you're the guy, who cares? What about the woman in the equation? Is she still alive? Well, we've got with us someone who had seven children naturally and then adopted another six. So a mother of 13. We've got Marianne Kuharski here, whom you probably all know as the head and founder of Pro-Life Across America. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Marianne Kuharski, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very honored to be asked, John Henry. It's good to talk with you again. Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I know you must have for many, many years been asked this question about having a large family because every time, uh, you know, parents are out there, young parents even, they only have three or maybe four children with them and they're shopping or they're doing whatever. How can you have that many children? What do you respond? Actually, I even wrote a whole chapter in one of my books about having a large family and how to answer some of those criticisms. Some of it, you know, I guess I would just say, in fact, one of the titles of my books is, is uh, Raising Kids with Humor and Prayer, because you really need to have both a sense of humor and, I would say, pray. Pray for the people who do not understand about raising a family. But, I mean, we've heard all sorts of things like, uh, don't you know how to stop that? And isn't that enough? And how come you're always pregnant or you always have a baby with you or whatever? And and I sometimes I would just say to people, well, when you're good at something, you're good at it. <laughs> and but um, you have to have it. I have other comments too, but you, you just really do have to have a sense of humor and just just know that this is what God is calling us to do. And uh, you get kind of tough skinned about it, but we have to be very gentle with those people who really, really don't understand. It's amazing to me that we would never go up to someone and ask, don't you feel kind of selfish about owning that great big yacht of yours or, or that big million dollar mansion? We don't ever, ever accuse somebody of being selfish or being uh, greedy or whatever. And yet people don't think, I've had people step out of their grocery line and come over to mine when they saw me with an armful of kids and say, are these all your kids? And I'll say yes. And they'd say, well, that's disgusting. I mean, how do you even answer that except to just smile and 
pray. One time I just said to a lady, well, if you think this is something, you should see all the ones at home <laughs> because you have to have a sense of humor about it. But but then pray for them because they really don't know the real true treasures of life are our children. I think my my wife took a page out of one of your books because when asked one time, don't you know what causes that? She says, oh, yes, but we've chosen to keep our toothbrushes in separate glasses now. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the common, you know, arguments is that, well, you can use contraception and that will solve all your problems. What for you in your married life and your experience uh, says why you shouldn't use contraception? You know, there's something that happens. And of course, we've had our we had our surprise babies. Uh, we we actually had four, two children born to us and then started adopting. We'd adopted four what they called special need kids from Vietnam and the Philippines and whatever. And then we had our surprise pregnancy and I hadn't had a baby in nine years. We had to start all over again. And there was a blessing that happened. Both my husband and I looked at each other and thought, wow, there's a reason why God is calling us to live differently than other people. And it changed our whole life. We saw more miracles than we would have ever seen before. I just encourage people. I always feel bad when they go ahead and get sterilized or get on the pill or think that's enough. And I always tell them, you know, the, the joy is anything after three is a wash. It's, it becomes easy because you become the expert and you now know that you're the best judge of your family and your children and what you should do rather than all those who write the, the uh, so-called expert books on parenting. But it is a matter of trusting God. And if you don't have that trust, you're going to miss some joys in life. And I, I can't tell you, John Henry, how many people I've met, even as I was raising my kids who said later, I wish I hadn't done what I had done. We stopped at four, or we stopped at three, or we stopped at two. And uh, it's too late for us. But when I see how much fun you're having with your kids, I have to say, it keeps you young. You have to stay young. You have to know what they're listening to. You have to know what they're what they're learning in school. You have you have no time for old age. You really don't because you have to keep young with them. So it's a lot of fun. They kept me young. That is another question. I think what happens is once they get okay, well, we can be open to life. But what are we going to do about raising kids? The it's a challenge to conceive of having a large family just by itself, but how are you supposed to raise a child? How are you supposed to have enough love for, for the one child and for a second child? Often in the very beginning, they think that. But beyond that comes the issue of raising children and teenagers in our day and age. Ah, uh, what are you supposed to do? I love your books on this, but uh, if you would give us some of your wisdom, I think that'd be awesome. I always say, well, I'm, I'm Italian. I said, I've got a Filipino. I've got two Vietnamese. I've got a black. I've got an Indian. I've got a Mexican-American. And I always tell the kids that uh, I'm really the boy. I run like a mafia. I said, you don't need to join a gang. You don't need to have, you aren't going to have time for drugs or gangs or anything because we're your gang. Well, I want to, I do. I, and I, I ruled with a strong arm. And I think that is the point about parenting. If we love our children, what's our number one goal? What is our number one goal for our kids? And it isn't a college education. It isn't a bike of their own or clothes of their own or a room of their own, which my kids thought they, you know, missed in life because they didn't have a room of their own or they had somebody else's bike or clothes or whatever. Our number one goal is to get them to heaven. 
And set in mind, that means we really have to be very forceful and aggressive about what we want. The, we want the best for our kids. We really, really, and we want to protect them like a fence. A fence is there to protect us from what could hurt us on the outside. And that's who we are as parents. We want to have, we want to know what our kids are learning, what our kids are watching, and we may have to supervise it, or in some cases, um, have them be too busy so they can't get involved in something we know that will hurt them. And so both John and I made up our minds that we were going to, we watched what schools we sent our kids to. Uh, we control the TV. In fact, I didn't like the television. And so I started buying old movies and our kids at first went crazy that we were going to watch all these old black and white movies. But now I had a kid in the seminary in, in Rome and he for Christmas requested that I send him all the old movies so he could show the other guys, the other seminarians, the, the old movies. And so so to a son that's now living in New York City. I always kid him and call him Mr. Hotshot because he lives in New York City. And yet, what did he ask for Christmas was some of the old movies. So there's, you know, there's good lessons to be learned. There's things that we can do as parents, even in this day and age of the cell phone, which I don't recommend parents give to their kids, that can control their environment and make them feel, oftentimes kids join gangs, they they. They get pregnant, they do other things because it's their way of feeling a sense of belonging. And we as Catholic parents want our kids to know you belong to us. We are your our father, our, my pastor used to say parents are the first missionaries of their children. And even when you think the kids aren't watching, I had seven teenagers at once. Trust me, I've heard of every kind of thing that can happen, especially when you've got kids who came into our family and older in life. But we have to be their gang. We have to be, let them know that we, we're so nuts about you that we're going to ground you if we have to in order to protect you from something that we think will hurt you. I hope people hear you. The wisdom of that is so profound. It might sound really simple, but it is so profound. They do want to know where they belong. And being part of the family gang is just incredible. It's true. In fact, I used to tell them I'm Italian, so this is our mafia. And uh, the kids at first didn't understand. And then they would laugh because they would say to my mother, in fact, a couple of my kids, I, I heard they would tell some of their friends, you know, I would like to do this. But if you knew my mom, it isn't worth it <laughs> because they knew they would be grounded. Uh, you know, I had some cardinal rules I'd like to share, and I use them when I give presentations to other people, but I always say that my cardinal rules were that we want to play together, we want to take time to play with our kids, and I don't mean go trips to Disneyland, I mean even just going to the local park or taking a vacation. We took vacations with our kids every year, that sounds crazy, but we'd have this great big huge van, sometimes we'd have to have two cars, and we would go on vacations. We had wonderful trips, my kids still remember, and I think our kids have seen more sites than anyway. So play together, pray together, and that means mass together, and that means you may not concentrate much in mass because you're watching all these other kids or trying to keep them controlled. Sit in the front pew so that kids can see what we're really worshiping and what we're doing. But we need to let our kids know there's nothing more powerful than a kid seeing, not the mother, but the father on his knees and the father leading prayer. That will stick with kids no matter what happens. So I always say, pray together, play together. 
eat together. You know, John Henry, if I, if I leave your audience with anything, that is a lost art. I give whole presentations now on why eating together is so important. In fact, there's secular magazines that now prove that kids that eat with their parents and their families at least several times a week are less likely to join gangs or drugs or pregnancy. So we're miss we Catholics, I think our Lord set the tone for us at what the first miracle and even the last miracle, the last supper and the miracle at Cana. I think he was trying to let us know that being together as family and rejoicing and celebrating and eating together is very, very good. And then of course, my fourth point is discipline is love. If we love our kids and we're really nuts about them, then we won't let harm come to them. And which means we may, we might not be liked. I always say to my kids, I'm not your friend, I'm your mother, you know? Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. For parents who are in their later years, their children then are in their late teens, early 20s and whatnot, and making those decisions which affect the rest of their lives. But they aren't all perfect. They're going off in ways that you don't want them to do, and it's killing you inside that they're doing these things. What's your advice for them? How, how do parents whose children are, are going off the rails deal with that? It are very hard situations. They're in a situation where they want you to attend a marriage that might be... Uh, totally inappropriate, uh, either some kind of, um, you know, married someone who's already been married and divorced and no annulment or anything, and or in, you know, some kind of homosexual relationship or things like that. Where do you go advising parents on these most difficult situations? We really want to be always open to our children and we always want to let them know we love them. No matter what, our love, we love our children, but we don't love every single thing they do. We love them and we pray for them. Uh, I don't attend marriages that are invalid, period. My kids know it. They wouldn't even invite me because I wouldn't be there and neither would my husband. We just, we don't. We pray for them. Uh, I always tell the story of my brother who was married three times and even my own mother was upset with me because I wouldn't go to the wedding. And I said, I have 13 good reasons why I can't go to my brother's wedding because all those eyes are looking at John and I. And if we accept that third marriage as being an okay marriage and some, you know, judge's office, that's not going to, that's doesn't, but I called my brother and said, you know, I love you. I'm praying for you. I am praying you come back to the faith. And we have to let our kids know that too, whether it's a homosexual relationship or an invalid marriage, or they've just decided to leave the church. There's nothing more heartbreaking to a parent. And I've been there. So I know nothing more heartbreaking than knowing that your kids are not following the church teaching or they're not living their Catholic faith. Uh, after, you know, all you, we, you think of after all we've done, but you know, our Lord was betrayed. Our Lord didn't, he had people walk away. He had whole audiences walk away once he told them what, what would be involved in following him. So who am I, Marion Koharski, to think that all my kids are going to do what I say, even though I'm Italian, it doesn't work. And so it was a big swallow, John Henry, of humility for me to know I couldn't control my adult kids, but I can love them. 
and I can pray for them. And once in a while, the old Marianne will slip up. And if I see an article that I think might touch them, like once in a while, there's a annual Lenten series that comes out on 10 good reasons to come back to the Catholic church or 10 good reasons to go to confession. I cut it out. I mail it to those who are not in the church and I put, and your mother loves you and is praying for you. And they can't help but let, you know, smile and they know in their heart of hearts that we are praying for them. And that's what we need to do. You know, we Catholics are so blessed. We have an arsenal of faith. We have the saints, their patron saints. We have all sorts of special saints to pray to. We have their guardian angels. We can send our guardian angels to their guardian angels to pray for them. We have mass that we can participate in every single day. We have the greatest gift, the rosary from the Blessed Mother that we can be saying for our children. My kids all know I use every one of those weapons every single day. In fact, I'm blessed to be a third order Carmelite. So I can reach into that arsenal as well. And it just reminds me to keep those prayers focused on my family and on my community. And of course, our nation, which needs it very much. So that's, my, that's, that's all I can do. I wish I could say I was successful and all 13 kids and grandkids are going to the Catholic church, but they're not. You founded an organization called Pro-Life Across America, and you're known as the billboard people. You've got these incredibly beautiful babies on billboards, huge billboards all over America. And they're really striking, both in their beauty, their color. The messages are so touching. They really move people because you've got these gorgeous, gorgeous little babies. And how can anybody say anything else? And they talk about conception, about the heartbeat being so close to after conception. It's just it's incredible stuff. What led you to starting this? People would say, you've had such a large family. What, what are you doing with something else for? You know, I always said to the kids, I didn't have time to join a bowling league or to uh, play bridge, but uh, I'm an adopted kid, John Henry. I came from an orphanage when I was nine months old. And I just tell my kids, I, I'll, I'll not go to my grave and not know I did everything I could to oppose this terrible, terrible law that struck down all of the laws we had that protected both moms and babies and gave us abortion to live birth in the United States. And you have it in Canada as well. So I started out working, you know, I did politics. I was a national delegate to a democratic party, then switched parties to Republican party. I tried politics. I tried speaking in schools. I'm still speaking to the audiences, not so much in schools as in uh, talking about family life now and pro-life across America. But I also did a lot of work with women who were pregnant. In fact, we even had some women live with us, believe it or not, and counseled women. And it would bother me to know that I could look out. We had all of this stuff we needed to help pregnant women, but no one knew they were there. So we started doing bus ads in Minnesota. And I thought, well, you have to be near a bus lane to see these ads. So then we got bigger and did a few billboards. And people started donating to us to help us keep doing the billboards. It's easy to ask for money when you don't take a salary. So I don't take a salary here at Pro-Life Across America. It's really our apostolate, my husband and I. He believes in it like I do. And now I have my, some of my own kids working for me. All the babies you see are babies of people who, who donate to us. So that's the requirement is that they have to be supporters of ours as well. And it's our way of saying thank you to show their babies on a billboard. We, we use very touching and tender ads. We don't do anything really harsh. Number one, the outdoor ad company wouldn't let us put a picture of a bloody baby on a billboard. But number two, 
about half or more of the people who call our hotline, and we now average about 400 to 450 calls a month to our hotline from all of our ads, our billboard, our radio, our internet ads all feature a hotline. About half of those callers are people who've been through one abortion experience already. So we need to want to rope them into the pro-life family. And we thought the tenderness, we had a woman who called from Portland, Oregon, and she said, I just felt by the tenderness of your ad, you would help me too. She'd never told another soul she had an abortion 35 years ago and was suffering from it. Uh, the most interesting thing, John Henry, 40% of the calls to our hotline are men. Men are natural providers and protectors. They want to help that woman. It could be the father of the baby. It could be the boyfriend. could be the husband. It could be we had a man call and said, my ex-wife is pushing my daughter to have an abortion. I don't feel good about it. I saw your billboard. What can Do you have any help for her? So we work with over 3,000 agencies across the United States and Canada and as far away as Puerto Rico, we get calls and we can send them to a local agency that will offer pro-life pro-family help, not, not anything that includes contraception or abortion. And uh, it's, a, it's a blessing. It's just a blessing to be able to be on this end of the spectrum and help people. So we're not political. I, I have strong feelings on politics, but we're totally here to be uh, education and service to those who need our help. And again, it was because we tried to help people and they didn't know we existed. So we're kind of the, what can I say, the visual aid of all those pregnancy centers, pro-life pregnancy centers that uh, need a voice or need a vocal or a visual. Um, so when people call our hotline, we send them to that local agency. So oftentimes I speak at those agencies for fundraisers for those pro-life you know, pro groups. So it's, it's a joy to see who we're connecting with. One of the things I'd like to ask you about is your children's involvement in your pro-life work. Because so, yes, it is true, as you mentioned earlier, the example of the father in praying, in being the spiritual leader of the home, is absolutely fundamental in the practice of the faith of the children afterward. But one of the things, one of the findings from a study that I read once detailed not only in praying, but also in an active apostolate or ministry life, that tends to solidify the children in terms of their practice of faith and they're sticking to the beliefs in life and family and so on. What's your experience on that score? I'm the extrovert and my husband is an introvert. So I do most of the speaking. I used to be able to rope him into doing cana dinners once in a while. And he always objected, but he always did them with me. And we always had a lot of fun because we tell the truth, you know, about what it's like and what our marriage has been like and whatever. But um, our kids watched us and they watched John, my husband. Uh, and John is involved. John, by the way, is our behind the scenes treasurer. We're independently audited because we're big. So it's not like either one of us, neither one of us take a salary. Well, I take that back. I get $1 because somebody wrote in once and said, well, she must be making so much money. She's not listing an honor IRS, you know, our income tax. So the board voted to give me a dollar. So at least it shows I'm acknowledging that I could get some money. But my husband doesn't take any money. 
Uh, we both do this as our apostolate and our kids all know we have quite a few of our kids who are involved now, which is such a blessing to see uh, behind the scenes. We have a daughter-in-law from Vietnam who is our is helping John as a treasurer. She has a, um, a degree in accounting and we have uh, one a daughter who helped build a web page, another son who helped with our web page. We have a, another daughter who does all of our outreach, another daughter, Angie, you met her previously, who um, uh, she lines up all my speaking and uh, uh, also does our, all of our marketing things. So um, we've got quite a few, I would say at least six of our kids are involved in one way or another in Pro-Life Across America. And the other ones are pretty busy having babies or I have a son that's a priest and some other kids that are out of town, but they, it's amazing to me. And we never have asked our kids for money, but almost all of our kids are donating to Pro-Life Across America. So um, we're, we're very blessed that they see uh, the, the importance of this work as well. So we're, that, that's been a blessing to us, a personal blessing to us to see. Is it okay with you if we do a life funder for you? So our, our donors, we have a, a GoFundMe alternative, like a crowdfunding site. Would you like us to set up one for Pro-Life Across America? You know, John Henry, that would be a blessing. This was the hardest year I've been through. We have to, we rely on tons of money because we, all of ours go out to advertising. So advertising dollars, I have to sign contracts. I always tell all the advertisers we work with, I never pay full price for anything because I'm a mom of 13. And so I have to bargain. But in order to get good prices, you usually have to sign long range contracts. And the problem is, is that when people get scared about the economy or where this president's going with the war, I had a couple of donors say to me, well, my IRA took a nosedive this year we can't give as much as usual that affects what's happening so and then the other thing that really happened it was good news the roe v wade decision uh, knocked down by the supreme court but what happened is we had uh, a number of our supporters call and say well now is your work as necessary as it was before oh my goodness it's real. Planned Parenthood put 83 million just like that into advertising. They knew what they were doing. They're advertising all of the states that you can now go to. And of course, the corporate America is following suit because they know it's cheaper to kill a little baby and keep that mother working than to help pay for uh, uh, time off and, and uh uh, the, the things that the mother would need in order to uh, nurture the child and give birth to the child. So our work is needed more than ever, but we actually were on a freeze until uh, two weeks ago. Finally, I wrote a letter to all of our big uh, supporters and just said, we're on a freeze. This is the first fall we've been through that we can't have a new fall campaign because um, we the funds are just not there for us. We have to be sure we can pay the bills we have. So um, we're, we, we've been hurting a little bit and we're kind of just getting our getting a little bit of the the advertising that dollars out there again, but not enough to really do a full fledged campaign nationwide. You can go to lifefunder.com. You'll be able to fund these awesome billboards all around America. Marianne Garski, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, for doing what you're doing, for sharing with us your beautiful reflections on your life, on your openness to life, and on your great pro-life apostolate. May God bless you. Thank you, John Henry. God bless you. And thank you for the privilege of being on your program. We love what you're doing. We love LifeSite News. You're just a clarion of truth and, and faith, and we love it. Thank you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. 
Hi everyone, this is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this video. And to see more like this, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. So check out our links in the description to read more, sign up for our newsletter, and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all of the latest life, family, and culture news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you. Thank you.